Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Hello, everyone. Everyone, it is the Red Men Originals podcast. Um... It is an international break, um, which is... Rubbish. I, yeah, again, I, I mean, here we are. It doesn't feel like that long, but there's been a lot of football happens, a lot of incidents, a lot of intrigue. Um, so maybe it is for the best that we don't have any Liverpool for a couple of weeks. Uh, but we will be looking back on Liverpool City Brighton before we kind of wrap up this little spell from the start of the season up till now, really, and see what we've learned. If we've got any greater insight into what Jürgen Klopp and the boys are, are doing and what they're likely to do. I have great insight, Paul, but I did have... Says uh, the man a who runs our tactics and insight show. Brilliant. <laughs> I did have a realisation yesterday that life would just be much better if the Premier League and all the international football was synced up with kids half terms so that people can just go away without missing the footy and it would be fantastic yeah wouldn't that be cool yeah yeah. Yeah. instead of like two weeks before the half terms no actually because it's 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 cheaper to to sack the kids off and go away in the international break okay think of it that way you Whereas get, your breaks from wouldn't football, you get, wouldn't you get, your breaks from football would be more would be loads more expensive. Schools. Oh, what do you mean? I'm gone. Do you, do you mean taking the kids with you? No, 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 just, no I'm saying oh, break, uh, your yeah. breaks are like more kids. expensive. That's not how you talk about your children. <laughs> it absolutely is. I hate the things they do, but I like them. <laughs> um, speaking of things that we hate, did you take the kids away on Friday? Yeah. See them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like my wife. That's what I like. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, Brighton two, Liverpool two. Chloe, you were there, um, and still haven't physically recovered from the from the endeavour of it. It was frustrating. I think is the general the general gist, as you can tell from all of our faces on all of our thumbnails at the weekend. Um, the slight consolation from this is I think Brighton are probably just as frustrated which isn't from a solid pool but who cares that Brighton are frustrated I guess but what I mean is Brighton had opportunities Brighton could have won that game quite easily and Liverpool could have won it quite easily and when Jürgen Klopp comes out and says it's probably there for a fair result that's kind of where I'm at I, I take a bit of solace in the fact that yeah it could have gone it could have gone either way really yeah it was that first half that was quite shocking from a Liverpool perspective it felt like we couldn't get anywhere near them we respected them a little bit too much um, but it just felt like their high press Liverpool just couldn't counteract it they couldn't adapt to it um, and they could have had two maybe three going into half time they had a couple of uh, corners back to back where they were just so cheeky and I just sat there and was like wow 
fair play that's so smart like what a what a routine that is that you have came up with um, and they got a bit unlucky with the finishing just going past the post Alisson had on the day to make a couple of really good saves and uh, they were stunned when Liverpool got one back and they hadn't recovered from that and we'd already got a second um, and it was kind of like how the hell have we ended up 2-1 up at half time like this is so undeserved but we take it and in the second half because you're from that point of view where you're actually ahead and we were on top the majority of the half we came out we were a better side but the problem was we didn't put the ball in the back of the net when we were on top and ultimately we could have made it 3-1 and the game could have been done but actually we didn't and it finishes 2-2 with 12 minutes to go it's really frustrating in that aspect but yeah on the day Brighton were really good in that first half and could continue to attack us uh, dangerously in the second but Liverpool from where they were should have finished the game off Chloe mentioned respect there Dan do you think that's Mm. the case first half we did just we were a little too wary of what they were likely to do to us and didn't necessarily impose ourselves on the game it felt like that a little bit definitely certainly in hindsight I mean you've got to respect Brighton you've got to sort of give them their for how good a football inside they are I think Jürgen Klopp's the best coach team in the country so he's going into that game expecting a tough challenge I mean we've seen how poorly we played on two occasions there last season so we do have to guard against that a little bit and you can't just go all guns blazing and try and blow them out of the water because that's very difficult to do certainly away from home but I think maybe we went too far that way because when you've got the firepower that we we possess albeit without Jota and Gakpo and obviously Curtis Jones yesterday there is a little bit of me that just says just go and take the game to them like how many times have we gone 1-0 down this season now it's mad isn't it maybe we've played inside sort of carte blanche too much respect because it keeps happening to us now and you do just wonder like when we get into the game and you, you guys have mentioned Roper though quite a lot we are doing that quite clearly when we do get into the game we really sort of stamp our authority we're too good for teams when we go yeah. at them we're too good and we've seen that yesterday in that fact five, six minute period at the end of the first half. So maybe we are being a little bit too cautious and trying to feel our way into the game and throw some jabs and just see what they're all about. And maybe we do need to, after this break, need to change our approach slightly and come out a little bit more front foot and be a bit more aggressive because sides like Brighton, if you give them too much respect, they'll they'll hurt you for it. Like, albeit a mistake that ends up costing us the first goal. Like, if you let a team like Brighton have possession of the football, or indeed a Man City further than line, or whoever it may be, they've got quality, so they're going to hurt you. And we just need to back ourselves a little bit more, maybe. That's what I'm trying to say. I, I, I agree on that. I don't think we truly backed ourselves until the second half, Chris, and you mm. can see it in the performances in the midfield in particular. Like, Sobers like comes into the game in the second half. Ryan Gravenberch comes onto the pitch and comes into the game. McAllister looks like the game's about to swallow him whole in the, in the first half, but by the time the second half comes around, Liverpool have established themselves. And I think it's that. It's If we're rebuilding, we're going up against the challenge, Brighton were clearly our kryptonite last season. And if you go if you go in gung-ho and all guns blazing, there's actually nothing to stop them doing exactly what they did to us last year. I bet we've got more energy in the midfield. So it feels like there was a little bit of that. We were made probably cagier than well, whether that's tactical I don't know but that might just be psychological from the, from the players as well it might, it might be I, I think it. I think the, the way that they didn't pressure us actually in the first half was what caused us a few issues in that they weren't expecting Brighton to sit off and just let the defenders have the ball and then as soon as we tried to move it into the middle of the park because they've got extra bodies in the middle of the park they compressed it and they had more players in the middle of the park and it made it really difficult for us to build through the centre even with the box midfield you know we do that box midfield so that we get number superiority in there we didn't have number superiority because their forward was dropping in yeah. and the wingers were, were, were compressed and in there as well and so it made it difficult for us and we were that's why I think it was it came across like it was a cagey start but they'd done something that we didn't expect 
So they were then having to go, right, okay, well, when when we do this, what are you going to do? To try and work out, well, actually, if you're going to do that, this is what we need to do in the first instance and stuff. And that happens all the time, and it always has happened with Jürgen Klopp sides. You know, I've always seen them, and I remember a few years ago where Emery Chan played a ball over the top against, I think it might have been Watford or something, and it's just, it's a, it's a hopeless ball, but you see how they're going to defend that situation, and then you put that idea in, right, they can go long, do they sit five yards deeper, does it open a little bit more space for us to play through the middle? And stuff like that. So, and I think Brighton, on the other hand, when we were pressing them, we knew that they were going to play out from the back, and we didn't want to overcommit to that. And I think the big change for us in the build-up play was Allison going into the defensive line, mm-hmm. which ended up catching us out at yeah. one point. But also in when we were trying to press them, we didn't want to overcommit. But actually, what ended up happening is you mentioned it on the watch song a couple of times. Virgil Van Dijk would go in into the midfield and be aggressive and Joel Matip did it at times so we were pressing in a slightly different way so when you're doing new things you need to be a little bit more cautious about it you can't just go gung-ho because they're doing what they always do and you're doing something new which quite often means they're better at it than you are Yeah. so be cagey make sure you get it right I understand it completely yeah 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 I am the first goal I mean obviously it's the big talking point and I think it's probably led to the most talking points around the footballer afterwards um, Chloe Alex McAllister uh, the lads have given give their opinion on the instant match reactions last night I'll we'll talk a bit about it in general but I don't like this playing game thing of like let's just point exactly whose fault it is however <laughs> um, tell me what you thought let's say about the goal that we conceded the first one well, it felt like we were being suffocated. And like you said, they didn't press high, but it felt like they were man-to-man. So it felt like Liverpool couldn't get out. And I remember sat there and I thought, we can't keep doing this. We need to we need to change something. Um, and a ball obviously comes to Virgil and he sets one inside to McAllister. It's not the most perfect ball in the world, but still, for some reason... Alexis McAllister is just not switched on. He's not sharp enough. Brighton was so much sharper in, in that first half specifically. Um, and there's like three men chasing him down. Why he thinks he has all the time in the world. He's not checked his shoulder. Um, and he loses the ball. It's, it's, it's our players not being sharp, not doing a simple pass correctly, but then also not being aware of your surroundings. Um, and, you know, we were 10, 15 minutes into the game then, so you, you should know. They've been doing this for 10 minutes at this moment in time. You should know what you you should be expecting. Um, and, yeah, no one reacts to the fact that this youngster who absolutely took the mick in that first half against us picked the ball up. Alison Becker was nowhere to be found because he was playing as a, a centre-back near. Um, and the ball didn't even have any pace on it and ends up in the back of the net. And our away end was fuming because it was like, even though they came out and they were doing something that we didn't expect, Liverpool still seemed just too, not lazy, but just not uh, not awake. It was like we were just too slow. It was like lethargic passes um, and we, we know Liverpool do do that. We usually concede the first goal, but it's the worrying thing is it's teams like Brighton where you can't concede those goals you can't start games early because like I mentioned if they get a little bit of luck here and there with a the finish could have been 3-0 at half time if Liverpool and by that time you know if they're 2-3 goals up Liverpool might not have that good spell where they actually get back into it and shock and stun Brighton um, but yeah the first goal is just comical from Liverpool it's for me and again I, 
the pass from Van Dijk isn't perfect. It needs a bit more on it. If if if, if he's, it's hard to judge because for me, I think McAllister's a bit flat-footed. Then mm-hmm. you know, ultimately, he gets caught a bit, a little bit cold by it. I don't think he should be kept cold because he's effectively the nearest midfielder to it. He's his job is to take the ball off the centre halves in that yep. position. Um, but he is so in that instance Van Dijk then needs to put a little bit more on it or give him a little bit more of a shout or or whatever um, it's it, it opens up the wider conversation though around that position and his, and his suitability for it see my contention on this is because again it just means that it therefore must be Endo that has to play for us I've not seen anything that says Endo's better at that than McAllister is and I think that's the kind of reason why McAllister's in because he's trusted to take the ball and, and move it on quickly under pressure mm-hmm. so for me you're playing against a team that presses we get our goals from doing similar sorts of things Sometimes you've kind of just got to shrug, but you you think it's all Virgil Van Dijk's fault. I, d- I do think it's all Virgil Van Dijk. Yeah, I, I take the point, and I, I mean total agreement that McAllister is flat-footed. He needs to be more aware, and I think it is a little bit sort of indicative of the fact he's not a natural. It's not sort of second nature to him to, in that position to be completely aware of what's going on around you. He scans one shoulder, maybe not the other one, but you said it there, Chloe. There's three men all sort of converging on him at once. Like that pass cannot go to him, and if it does go to him, it has to be absolutely on point pace precision the loss and it's not for me the pass should never go to in the first place he's got Robertson completely open on the left hand side he's got a big diagonal switch to Salah which I looked at before Salah's completely unmarked Virgil van Dijk does that in his sleep just shifts out of his foot and goes what's he doing if it's McAllister Virgil van Dijk can see the entire picture he can see those three Brighton lads getting closer and closer and sensing blood to McAllister albeit McAllister does need to do better when the ball is played Virgil van Dijk sold him down the river there for me I'm not having it I, I, and I watched it back before when we had a mini debate and the pass actually gets worse every time I watch it it's nowhere near hit well enough is that it's not terrible. confirmation bias Dan because you're looking I, for it to look I was, worse I, no I actually wouldn't have minded sort of flipping my opinion a little bit and a bit more, bit more critical on McAllister because on the McAllister thing I thought he had a really poor 45 minutes yesterday genuinely I, I was annoyed yesterday as Chris will attest to I thought he was way off it I thought he didn't look at the races I thought he looked sluggish um, I take your point on Endo and I don't know whether he is the better or even at the same level as McAllister and that's kind of the problem isn't it is because we didn't clearly didn't fix the problems we, we would have liked to have done in the summer so now we've got probably until January at least of McAllister doing this potentially and in terms of personnel like he is one of the better players that we have he's on the better midfield options that we have but is he ideally suited to this role I'm having major doubts now because I just don't see it I'm not I've not seen enough evidence of him in the six, certainly in games where by Liverpool don't dominate possession, to suggest that he's the answer. Because, again, things like what happened yesterday, the giving away of fouls, being the wrong side of people, not being able to sort of get back and help out, that's going to keep happening. So I, I hope I'm wildly inaccurate and he proves to be brilliant because you're right, he's a technician. He's a lovely footballer to watch. He plays passes into the final third, but you're going to have to do a lot more than that as a deepest midfielder for Liverpool at the moment and I'm not sure he's got that in the locker thoughts on that Clown? 100% he just there was a lad who picked the ball up in their half and drove 70 yards up the pitch and I, I wanted to murder every one of our midfielders at that point that was the point at which I thought McAllister's done here yeah. because he looked 
knackered. He yeah. looked absolutely I had his hands on his knees, bent over when he won a corner. Like, and I was surprised. We were talking about, like, on the stands, we were like, there's, there's no physicality in this midfield. Like, you've got a six-foot-something lad there in Gravenbeach who'd bully people. And Harvey Elliott, I'm not really putting blame on him. I thought, actually, when Liverpool were on top, him down that right-hand side with Salah was really good. I actually enjoyed him when Liverpool broke up and got into the game. But we were being shrugged off the ball. We were not sharp enough, not aware of our surroundings. People were just running off us by 10, 15 yards and no one was tracking back. Um, and that first half, you were screaming for someone to just come on and shove someone off the ball and just keep the ball and protect it. And it felt like none of our midfielders could do that. It was the first game in which I'd not seen Sob out. Like at, the first time I saw him was when he won the penalty. Yeah. And I was like, how how in, how is he being so ineffective? Like he's usually the one who moves into the space and asks for it every single time. Um, and like you mentioned there, I do I, I don't want to see McAllister at DM. I just don't. And I know that might be our only option. But I'm okay with it if you're at home and you know you're going to have the majority of possession. I'm at, because I believe you don't need someone like Endo on that pitch for that game. Like Union St. Galloy, having McAllister there sound like I can understand that obviously not in terms of it being Europa League and us needing a break but they're the games I can understand with them being a DM a game where you're not going to have loads of possession it might be 50-50 even and you need someone to make crunching tackles or someone when we do get caught to be the last line of defence and help us out he's not that kind of player and it's not his fault either this is where I disagree with everybody to be honest I think we're being majorly critical on McAllister I don't think that was a game for a six like a Makaleli I don't think we needed that type of a six in that game and there is a school of thought whereby when you don't have a lot of possession isn't it better to have someone who can cut through them quickly who's better passer of the ball who can see those options when you only have 35% of the ball and you don't have 70% of the ball um, I think we're too, more possession I th- than Brighton on the game I, I think we're, yeah. we're too quick to to Look, he's, he's, what, seven, eight, nine games into his Liverpool career. I think we're being too quick to judge him in this one. It was a midfield that hasn't started together. You know, he's not played with Sobo on the left-hand side of him. He's not played with Harvey Elliott from the start of a game before against a very well-drilled Brighton side, which we've all admitted at times. So I think, you know, for me, it's not the fact that he's not a destroyer that we can see that first goal. Yeah. It's the fact that, you know, the ball... Is Virgil van Dijk. So you're apportioning no blames McAllister in this instance. I, I apportion it sort of 50-50, to be honest with you. But it ain't because he's not a destroyer. And his legs did fall off. 100% agree with that. And there was that one where he's running and like someone, I think someone goes past him as we're running back and stuff. But like, let's give the lad time. We know that he's not really a six. But Jürgen's picking him in that position because I think he thinks he's better than Endo. And that's enough for me. You know what I mean? I, I don't see the point. No, well, we should play the worst player. Okay, well, fine. If anyone can honestly put their hand up and go, Endo's better, sounds. I'm, I'm all for it, but I, I just I just don't think I could tell you that he is or isn't at that role. That, that's interesting, that, because there, there comes a point whereby you need specialists for specialist positions. Because I take your point, and I'm not criticising McAllister sort of moreover because I think he's a really good footballer and I think he will be a, a brilliant buyer for Liverpool Football Club it's just, unfair that he's not actually playing it's, it's a little bit unfair position. I feel a bit sorry he looks really low in confidence he looks bereft of confidence to me right now and, and even his use of the ball yesterday I thought was quite poor at times like he got a little bit passive a little bit laboured under hitting stuff just never really got into the game at all even the second half I think he improved slightly but not really yeah. but at some point 
it, 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 half back to the season where we had no centre backs and went to Fabinho and Henderson back there until eventually Jurgen Klopp went I've got a couple of centre back lads there alright they're not perfect but at least they're centre backs the counterpoint to that though is we had a six last season and we were much worse in midfield he, he blew up didn't he <laughs> yeah. he blew completely but, but like we were always talking throughout the season every one of us was talking well is it because Hendo and that legs have fallen off well show me his other midfielders in the, in, in the first half and tell me they were involved in the game and helped McAllister no, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't do fuck all. But again, we're but talking. McAllister's the one that's getting the brunt of three people's and, work. And loads. I would point out again, he's getting the bl- the blame because he gets caught flat-footed on a pass when he's a, he's an absolute technician. If even he, my argument is, if even he can get caught out, then sometimes shit happens. And I get it. I, so I'm not. I, this is not in, in defence of the one that Chloe mentioned earlier, where they they beat they beat our press in their half and then free run through the middle, and he's chasing back a half pace because he's got nothing he's left good. in the tank to he's get back. Good. That's a, that's a, almost a different thing. But again, that happens when when we play the way we play. Other people have to get back in and, and, and help out in those environments. I, I I take the point. I'm not sure that. What's a, what's a, no one plays with a destroyer like destroyers don't exist anymore we have this notion this false notion of like there's going to be like a like, like no one has a Claude Machalelli anymore you know what I mean maybe someone I'm sure there's someone in the comments going absolutely there is someone who plays but he's not a destroyer he's got everything he's a central midfielder but have you seen how many times he wins the ball destroyers can't pass and can't dribble and don't score goals is my point so he's got all that yeah. But he doesn't necessarily have the other side of it, which is where my concern lies. Personally, that's where I'm at. And listen, again, I reiterate the fact I think he's boss. I mean, he's the same as when football. we played Thiago in DM in that season. Exactly. He's, he's tigerish and he's actually is quite, he's good at winning the ball, but he's better at winning the ball back 20 yards up the pitch than where he is from that. He's not great at being an anchor man, which is a bit more of what we're asking him to do. But again, it comes back to it. I, I don't, and I think the logic is absolutely sound on that. It's, there's going to come a point where Endo, we're going to have to just go with Endo in that position because you you were wrecking McAllister or in danger of wrecking McAllister by having him have all this weight on his shoulders, the same we had with, with Thiago. It's like just get 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 if we've got a DM, get him in the get him in the DM. But the yeah. the thing I'd say is the the problem we had was. I understood he did it in a double pivot and once again I don't think you actually saw that yesterday in the first half because we didn't have possession Trent Alexander-Arnold couldn't wander into midfield and just stand he had to go touch tight and go on the wing That he had to stay in his position so that that was the problem I had was McAllister was on his own on his own having to be that sole DM only when in position when in possession of the ball and Trent comes into that do we then sit with two but we didn't we were getting bullied out of possession they they it, literally for 38 minutes it felt like Liverpool hadn't touched the ball to me like and I know we had but it felt like that because they were so high up on us um, and they kept winning the ball back and they kept when we pressed them they were just passing it round us like no one was there and when he's your only DM and look it's, I, I think he's an unbelievable footballer and I wish he would just play in the position that we bought him for I understand why he's not I get that but I'd like to see what he's about in that position for yeah, Liverpool yeah, and that I, is I, the problem and we, yeah, and really we were saying pretty much that. that way we were all hoping Endo would be the guy to start on that though I think there's a little bit of how you feel in the game is not necessarily how the game went because we were looking at the possession stats throughout that first half and Liverpool had the, had the possession for a good 
chunk of that first half then Brighton rested back control and then we're going quite even I think our at possession the, at the was a lot, be, a lot to do with us passing around the back five they, but they, were, was doing the problem, this, but they were doing this that. That, that was exactly how they that yes. was all their possession but on the defending side of things we didn't defend with Josh McAllister in front of the back four we were going dropping into a 4-4-2 mm. mm. we yeah. had Nunes and Salah up top Diaz was on the left wing Harvey yeah. Elliott was on yeah. the right again I can't pinpoint when everyone says to me McAllister was on his own on an island. That's the system's fault then. Yeah. If McAllister's on his own on an island, it's not McAllister's fault. If McAllister goes in for a tackle and the fella goes round him, like we saw countless times with Fabinho last season, that's him not being a six or a good enough tackler. That wasn't the case yesterday for me. Yeah. There's one who gives away a dangerous free kick. He's probably gone a little bit too far. Yeah. There's a moment. Name a player yesterday who didn't. No, I get it. Can I say did? Matip did. Trent did. They all did. Ultimately, what it boils down to is kind of the point. I mean, Chloe just mentioned there is we signed him to play in a certain role and he's not doing it. Yeah. We signed him. With Fabinho was still at the club when we signed him, so we probably should sort of counter that into it as well because we might not have expected it if we did expect Fabinho to leave. Signed him. And again, layman's terms, the most simplistic of points ever, he wears the number 10 on his back yeah. and he's playing proper deep. That can't yeah. be no, right. I, yeah, but I, if, he's I, number, is... if he's the number 10, then he should be perfectly adept at having a ball played into him with his back to the, the, the player. I, 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 I don't blame him for that. So, <laughs> this yeah. isn't looking at his performance yesterday. That's, that's something else. And I would agree with you there completely. I want to see McAllister fair the full pause yeah. I've mentioned it yeah. all three of us wanted to see Endo yeah. McAllister Sobersly but that doesn't affect McAllister's performance yesterday which is what we're talking about yeah. I still don't think it was good enough and people oh, yeah, again, like Genius, I, I adore the lad I, I think he, he's a superstar I really do but I thought he was he had a torrid first half in that in that game I, I was surprised he didn't get booked I felt like he'd made about five tackles in and around the area and I was like my god it's like Rodri this he's not being booked as that happened and I was like oh for once I, I just felt he, he didn't get close enough to players and I totally take into consideration I probably shouldn't be I, I shouldn't be sat here thinking he should be doing that because he's not a DM but also if he's playing there that is now your responsibility to do that and I understand other people other players have to help and we didn't see them either but it just felt like even on the ball in that first half he just he, he really struggled look like we said before Liverpool are set up to you know to, to pressing is how we win the ball back so it's actually not the defensive midfielder's job to win the ball back for Liverpool it's the five lads set ahead of him whose job and that's actually when we do have our success is when that starts to work for us and we catch we catch Brighton out mm-hmm. you know we and that's something that you get better at when you get a greater understanding of how that team's play that's where we, I think we've not been great in first halves but actually we're putting the groundwork in for great second halves because of how we're figuring out the opponents and blah 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 on a wider sense actually there's the super chat in on the, on the McAllister thing here from the detective says Klopp says Mac can play the position if we defend well as a team we didn't do that yesterday and missed Jones massively uh, the sooner we get Thiago and Bacetic back the sooner we have options the Bacetic one's another interesting one for me again he's, he's, this is the thing Yes, Thiago, because you could have at least given him a little, give, him, give him half an hour here and there, and you've got a similar kind of footballer in. But the Bacchetta stuff is a real shame. He's had a setback because he's he for me wasn't far away from being able to just start some of them football matches because he's not he's closer to that what I'm talking about of like that potentially complete midfielder. He's a bit he's not strong enough yet, and he's not experienced enough yet. But he's he's. He loves a tackle. He's got the raw attributes. Exactly, he, and he's and he's very cultured on the ball mm. as well. But um, yeah, like McAllister's being a little bit sold short, but that's the nature of yeah how our squad is constructed. He's right though. I mean, the Jones things I think is really interesting yeah, from there yeah, because it's funny. You know, even the even the watch along comment <laughs> section were like, 
Oh God, I'm missing Jones. And the watch along comment sections normally don't hate like Jones. Jones. Hate Jones. <laughs> hate hate him. So he like and it is, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, isn't it? Type of thing. Um, and 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 in this case, Kurt Jones is uh, is the is the one. Um, the other big incident of the game. In fact, actually, before we do, let us know your thoughts on that. You know, what's your thoughts on McAllister's six so far? Your thoughts on the endo situation? What Liverpool are doing with that? Because I do think it is. I do think it is interesting. I my general overlying take on this is just that I don't think there's a perfect answer, and we presume endo must be it. But I've been I've been a Liverpool fan when everyone's gone. Why isn't Sean Dundee playing? Why why just stick him on? Just give Sean Dundee a game. Sean Dundee didn't play for Liverpool because he's fucking rubbish. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Endo is that, but until I see him start games, good, important games ahead of McAllister, then you know, he, he's nothing. He's barely he's barely a footballer for us at this then, point. If that's the case, why have we bought him? Because I think the same I my look again, and I'm not saying this is categorical, this is just my opinion. We bought Ben Davies because we needed a centre. We needed somebody who could play centre half. And when we had Ben Davies in, it gave us a little bit of negotiating room to to wait and try and get Ozanka back in. Now neither were successes for Liverpool, but given the market we were in, we needed someone who could actually play that. And he can do that. He's played games of football for us, so we that's why we've bought him. We've bought him as a backup number six. We just don't have a. I don't. In my opinion, we don't have a first choice number six at the moment. So we're making do yeah. now. It's, I think we're doing okay so far. I think yeah. he's spot on. Well, I think Pachetic's injury had something to do with it. I think if if Pachetic never picked up that injury, I don't think we'd have gone in the market for a backup six. But I do think they were a little concerned about reaggravations and mm-hmm. stuff coming back from a long injury, yeah. which, to be fair, has proved to be right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. The other big incident then the penalty. Now me and Chris had a, we had a bit of back and forth on this during the during well, the. Well, I didn't along. understand what the hell was going on because we were talking about the replays and stuff. So I ended up asking Dan in the instant match reaction, going, "Why were they kept? Why did they keep on showing the replay?" I thought honestly that you know it was all to do with the fact that like it wasn't a penalty, but it's obviously the double jeopardy which we discussed for a minute or two and yeah. put it to bed type of thing, isn't it? So yeah, it was a bit of a nuts one. So by all accounts, the rules have been well researched by Liverpool Twitter, obviously, and. Because it's denying the goal scorer an opportunity. There's no genuine attempt at playing the ball. And there's no genuine attempt at playing the ball, then it should be a penalty and a red card. But then here we are again questioning officials. I mean, well, the officials have come out this morning, haven't they? You've seen what they've okay. said and said because he didn't have the ball, he'd have had to have won the ball. He just. It's not a red card. But, lad, if he wasn't pulled back by his neck, he'd have had the ball. Yeah. I wondered whether they were going to go down the route of saying actually the penalty was given for the Diaz foul that followed on as the quickest get out of jail free card of all time on that one. They make shit up as they go along, no, no, don't they? They, they just do. make shit up. That's all they do. Here we are again, down another week, another one, another one like this, and that's because Anthony Taylor actually the way he points, he points. I think he was Diaz. going. If it wasn't for that, it was yeah, for that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were both nailed on pens. Like, <laughs> if there was any complaint about the first one, then just look at the second one. I've seen people on Twitter, rival fans, saying, have they got a penalty for this X player? This happens to them every week. And then you look at it, just roll it on like a second later and you see Diaz get wiped out clean as well. Like, <laughs> no, whichever one, we'll take either. But it is absolutely the first one. Pascal Gross has him by the, by the neck, doesn't even rags him to the floor. But how they can even begin to fathom that it's not a goal scoring opportunity, I will never understand. Thomas Lies, 
has done exactly the right thing. He's he shifted out of his feet, and we know he's got a left foot on him, even though it's his weaker side. He's about to just welly that at the goal. I know Lewis Dunk is sort of on his way back, but by the time Soboslai set himself and hit that, it's beyond the keeper. It's just in the back of the net. It's yeah. done. So it's laughable, really. But what makes it even worse, if that was at all possible, given how bad the decision it is and the justification is also terrible, he wasn't even booked. Yeah, he didn't even get a yellow flag. Scott free, just a penalty. Like it's it's mayhem. It's, I have even seen like the most ardent of referee supporters come out and say, "Yeah, I can you know back in the day, I can understand why they haven't sent him off, but it's got to be a yellow." And it was nothing. Anyone feel like there was a bit of overcorrection from Anthony Taylor refereeing that game? You know, just based on what's been going on the last couple of weeks. Because I, 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 we were a bit shocked when the first yellow card got handed. I think the second yellow card of the game was like Deserby uh, yeah. for kicking off at the Van Dyke penalty. This well, I was convinced that we'd had yellow cards already. So we yeah. got, we were the first yellow card, were we not? And then the Zerbi got yellow carded, but they didn't happen until the second half. But this half. is the point: is that there were plenty of those. Like I oh, thought, McAllister was booked about three times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I would I just have a little thing because I, I just looks so annoyed having to be involved in that game. It was a bit like someone's gone right. Just get through this without any major controversy, will you, Anthony Taylor? And as it is, Zerbi gets booked for, for, for protesting the penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> protesting the Van Dyke uh, penalty shells, and of course, yeah, they they haul their sobers like down by the neck, and no one gets sent off. So yeah, unlucky. It's not possible to 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 have a controversy free game of football because that's what football is. Um, I uh, yeah. I, what was I, it like in the ground? Did you realise what was going on? Did they did they look at anything in the ground? You messaged me, didn't you? Think about it. I'm sure yeah. So me. we all, as soon as it happened, we all screamed for a penalty, and for some reason Taylor lets it play on. So then we scream for the second one, and he finally points, and he looks like he's pointing to the spot, and we're like, great. Well, we'll take either one of them because they're both <laughs> stone. And bear in mind, we're the other end of the ground. So this is this is miles away, but you could still see us. Be ragged um, and the fume mostly was the fact that it looked like he'd went to his, his pocket and then just retracted his hand and not brought anything out we didn't understand why it wasn't a yellow card at least and everyone there was stunned because everyone was like it's a goal scoring opportunity but we there was a lot of people in the ground who was like yeah, but it's in the penalty in it, a penalty box, isn't it? So actually, it's only a yellow. Where obviously no one had realised the double jeopardy. Mm. Um, but the the thing about Brighton is, as you go out onto the concourse, they have the replays going again, and you can just get a beer again before you go, and you can take it with you out the ground. Um, and we were watching it back and how it, how they've deemed it and not not a goal scoring opportunity. I've no idea. It, even with him being tugged back, he can still reach that if he's sliding on the floor and kicking it. Like you just can. So if you're thinking he's actually in stride, there's no way he's not getting to that ball and just putting it in past the goalkeeper. It's just such a simple finish. Um, uh, but from our time, I'm not too sure anyone really realised that it, it should have been a red. We were all fuming on it being a yellow. Um, but yeah, once again, just the yellow thing is mad. Yeah. Dan's kind of right there. I mean, how many times you see someone pull a little tug on a shirt outside of the penalty area as an attack's breaking, and they do yeah. not hesitate. They were yellow cards they straight away. Ones. They love they it. Love it. <laughs> it's the easiest yellow yeah. card they get to give all day, and yet somehow it's almost like he forgot yeah. that he hadn't given him a yellow card. Yeah. Well, it happened. It, 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 this, I mean, this instance that 
all long or every weekend in football. The Jota one last week is a little bit of that, you know, like that. Just just get a little brush on someone, impedes their movement. It's an obvious so everyone knows Jota. what you're doing, but it's not it's not violent, etc. etc. We saw it in the West Ham Newcastle game. It, you know, it, it, this happens all, all the time, but you're right. He could not be more clearly hauled by his throat to the ground. It, there's no attempt to, you know, it's not that's not a fair attempt that's to That's a foul in the NFL where you're allowed to tackle people with your arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a foul in the NFL. We, we didn't know. The, the the thing is that we didn't know why it was taking VAR so long. We didn't have a clue what they were going on about. It felt like they'd looked at that for like two and a half minutes. And like no one had a clue why it was taking so long. The Brighton had about seven players around the referee. And I just was like, I was saying, just book one. Just book mm. one of them and make them all go away from you. I don't know why they're there. There's two clear penalties that could be given. But it, it felt like VAR... Like by the time he gave the penalty, the VAR came up on the screen only then, only then checking the goal because they'd taken so long. No there's one a bit of offside involved, but it, up, it comes, there's a little bit of that at first because the Brighton player ends up playing it yeah, back into the path. Oh, okay. So they check that because if that had been Liverpool player, we might have had an issue there, but yeah. it comes cleaner. And then the red card thing kind of took over, which they deemed not to be did worthy. Did they look at it? They, they, that was what they were talking about. Yeah, because the penalty, as you say, was absolutely nailed on. They did spend time seeing whether he should have been sent I'm, off or not. I'm honestly not that arsed that he doesn't get sent off in a wider footballing sense because I'm not, I don't really care for the lobby for red cards in football matches. We've had a load of, you know, we've had loads that we shouldn't have had and blah 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 and I'm not here for me pound of flesh of like we've had yellow, red cards so everyone else needs to get red cards whatever football games are spoiled by losing by losing players but what's happened the last couple of weeks it, it's made this it's what happens this is the knock-on effect we're now going to pour over every rule and make sure that all those rules are absolutely adhered to so it actually makes referees have put this on themselves yeah. now by not by not bending the rules to it to, to be human to go hang on a second that, it, it was a goal let's just stop a second we've made a mistake here everyone just stop it and everyone just have a moment and a breathing and we'll sort this out they go right no this is the letter of the law we're only allowed to act within these certain by the frameworks. letter of the law lads when the goal's scored you, you put one on the scoreboard yeah and <laughs> but it's a fact it, it should be said he should, he, by the letter of the law he should be sent off the, the, the mad thing is. is is Mike Dean uh, that uh, the day before had him and Paul who um, I yeah, would never Paul Mason you meet Paul I would never the one who does my head and on Twitter more than anyone else yeah, never yeah. thought I'd ever agree with him in my life yeah, I, get I actually stood there and was like oh my god he's speaking sense what did, and what did Mace say Mace was just having a go <laughs> at Mike Dean because Mike Dean was saying um, we can't change the, the rules and the law we've got to stick by the law the reason that footballers aren't doing what we're doing is because you don't understand the game and what I, you don't understand the rules he said which I'm here now pointing at a rule book of why Pascal Gross should have been sent off and you haven't sent him off therefore Mike Dean your own officials don't have a fucking clue you can of the that, which is horseshit by the way because you can learn rules but you can't have played the game you can't learn yeah. to have played the game yeah. at a professional but level that was you what know. Mike Dean believed anyway was good, he? To be fair, he spoke well on that yeah. <laughs> he was really good <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah it's it should just be it should just be the, the other one which is in the similar vein is of course their penalty shot which is the thing Deserby gets booked for where they have they've got the iPad out and they're the, like they're trying to zoom in they're trying to they're trying to make it where the fat finger oh, oh, all over the place. you fucking grasses yeah like, <laughs> get off your iPad you grass the um, that's not a penalty and you know because it hits Van Dyke in the leg then hits his hand it's like you know when you, and for a start I mean it's not like his hands up here it's there. 
I get why Brighton would be in the moment because we all get sucked into it all. Like Chloe said in, in, in the space of a sentence, it was two nailed on penalties. I was down the other end of the pitch. I was miles away. I couldn't see because we do, because you feel, you know what feels like a penalty. You know, we all do it. We all, we all do it, you know, to fight for the corner of our team. But, um, it's not. It's not. You know it's what, not a penalty. Do you know what? Done my head in about the Zerbi most. He put his arms behind his back like I'm not being aggressive. You dickhead. I'm like you are though. Yeah. Look at you. You look like, you look like Liam Gallagher. Yeah. <laughs> like a dog on a leash. Um, yeah, sad. Um, Ryan Gravenberch. Uh, I think I mean, we all pretty much talked about him in our post-match videos. Uh, and rightly so because he's because um, he's brilliant. Ryan Gravenberch. He's, I'm, just, he's like the afterthought of our signings. He's a breath of fresh air, though. If we'd signed, just signed him and not signed Sobersly, we'd all be like, oh my God, what have we bought here? But we bought Sobersly as well. He might be the greatest midfielder in waiting, and Gravenberch might be the second best midfielder it in It makes waiting. me worry that we can't get the three of them in the right positions, though. And I was saying this to you last yeah. night, because when you've got McAllister and you've got Gravenberch and you've got Sobersly... I wouldn't play a DM either. <laughs> like, and that's what cops fallen into. Like, why? And it does. And this is why I'm I'm reticent to write McAllister off. Is I, I might see a world where he doesn't, and he just uses McAllister there because he's got Gravenberch, because he's got Jones, because he's got Sobersly and Harvey Elliott, and he must be sorely tempted to go. Those were my plans. But I'm going to have to change them well, because I didn't think the, I was going to get Gravenberg well, at the end of the window. Well, Sovereign wasn't the plan either. Was it? But McAllister was quite clearly plan A: Fabinho, Henderson rotating in the six. McAllister can come replace Thiago, and then we're going to go and get Mason Mount, or we might get Kefren Teram, or we might get whatever. And all of a sudden, we can get Sobers line. It's like fuck, and he's become so. And you're right; circumstances happen in football that move things on. And it, this is not real football, but I've had this happening like it's like Chapman. You you, you can live alter, alternate universes. We all understand that that's exactly the same. San Christian Vieri, five and five, score for me. Then the game crashed, and I rebooted it, reloaded it. Didn't score a single goal for me all season because oh. that's just how footy works. Sometimes it's an example from a game computer crashed. game, but yeah, well, why would I have reset it when he scored five and five? Because you, you lost an important game. No, it was my very very <laughs> aging PC player uh, one or two. Um, but the the point on this is, is you right, McAllister. He will. He'll be fine. But. Gravenberg by the time he, we get to a position where either end those up to speed or we've signed another number six Gravenberg and Sobersly could be the two best eights in the, in the country and he could be nowhere near and that's them. it you know, he might be, he, we might be just better McAllister in for the long term mightn't we you know, and now that you've what, said it I'm all for it if you can get it working, my word, isn't that more fun than having a six? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> six is a rubbish. Grand six is the most boring yeah. position on the field now. <laughs> isn't he? Genuinely. Like, you know what I mean? I mean massive, aren't we? We're a hundred yeah. million pounds for sixes. But when, you, but when you've got one, they win your leagues. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Well, you know what I mean? Well, Arsenal spent a hundred and something million pounds. That's why. Yeah, but they didn't play him in fucking in the fucking six. Yeah, they played him in the eight. Look at Rodgy, man. He's the biggest Mr. Titty you've got. He's so yeah, good. You know what the I mean? The biggest Mr. Titty city you've got. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, you're true. Uh, you're very true. Um, we had a super chat in from earlier, which I didn't get a chance to read because I was hoping we'd come to the topic, but uh, it's sat there for ages, so I want to read it anyway. Uh, also from the detective who said, we can challenge for the title, but need luck with injuries. We saw how suspensions and injuries impact to us at the weekend without options from the bench yeah. and yeah I think that I think that's totally true on, on that one and Graven Birch Chloe was our big hit and it's such a shame because I agree and I've seen a lot of people saying that like you know the injuries have come back to bite us 
we almost managed it perfectly. You know, we came from a goal down, our own mistake. We get ourselves back into the game. Graven Birch comes on, changes the dynamic of the midfield, and he's six inches away from from giving us a three-one lead, which might have been the game done and dusted. Yeah, he's such a silky footballer. I'm not, like unbelievable and I don't want to say he reminds me of Lalana, but I remember Lalana was receiving it on his back foot mm. and, and turning it and that's grabbing Birch all over again and I loved Lalana. and if he could have stayed fit more than, than he was yeah. then I reckon he'd be an unbelievable for Liverpool if grabbing Birch can stay fit he's got the physicality there as well he looks a unit he's great at carrying the ball he pushes people off the ball and for someone that tall his first touch shouldn't be that good his, his weight of receiving a ball and switching and moving so easily in the other direction shouldn't be it is centre of gravity shouldn't be that good but he is um, and him in and around the area was really good he set up a couple of chances out wide where I think Mo maybe took a, a couple too many touches but he scores to one of the day so who cares you know not much more he can do um, but he was just as soon as he came on you went that's what we need just someone who you'll shrug him off a ball because it felt like in the first half we were getting a bit too bullied Um he came on and he was struggling people off the ball. He was winning the ball. He was winning 50-50s. And then he was doing the stuff where you thought, wow, like what a footballer he is. Um, I cannot wait to see more of him. I, I don't want to say he's unlucky because he should just score. Yeah. But for his benefit, I will say he's unlucky. Um, and he, he should have scored. But honestly, he was a breath of fresh air. He was incredible when he came on. Uh, he tilted that game in our, in our favour because you had someone who'd, who'd win the ball back for you. Robertson got more in the game because of how good Gravenberch was playing as well. Um I, I genuinely cannot wait to see more of Ryan Gravenberch. That miss, Dan, mm-hmm. it's worth reminding ourselves that that is our two number eights crossing the ball yes. for one another yeah. from the byline. Um, I don't recall many instances where Jordan Henderson did that for Jeannie Wijnaldum. No. It's, it's funny that I remember I, Trent doing it to Robbo more often yeah, yes. I said exactly the same thing this morning and I'll find a word they're on the six yard box they're in the six yard box essentially both of them for all intents and purposes and it's a switch from one post to the back one and Graham Birch is arriving that's unheard of from a Liverpool perspective that's just ridiculous and it's a sign of I suppose how confident they are, how attack-minded both of them are, of course, and sort of the instinctive nature of Ryan Gravenberch to get in there and try and get on the end of something. We've seen it in the week. Obviously, he's the one following up on a potential mistake. He's the one who senses, tell you what, if I go, there's a chance here he spills that and he scores. And you don't get that in many midfielders. You, you know, there's a certain ones, I mean, Frank Lampard, I hate to bring him up, but he was brilliant with that type of mm-hmm. stuff, wasn't he? He was always that guy. He racked up numbers for doing it. And Gravenberch looks like he's got a little bit of that in as well as all the other stuff that he's got. Because again, another really impactful performance Chloe's absolutely right the way she describes him but it's the way draws fouls as well yeah, he just wins fouls so for good. fun I, I think he's brilliant I really really do and he, he is quite unfortunate with the finish for my money I think he probably connects too well with it we spoke yesterday you want studs you want like you know real sort of that just rolls in does yeah. you need him to scuff that and he connects with it relatively relatively strongly which obviously sends it higher than you'd like but yeah another massive step in the right direction and I think we're not too far removed now from just going you know what in you go lad because you've shown me enough already was anyone surprised that he didn't start because Massively. I genuinely thought he'd start Harvey Elliott was the last name in my that mind just because yeah. he played yeah, he was so much yeah. yeah. 
Gavin yeah. makes himself available so much. And in the first half, I think you mentioned Sobers like not really getting involved earlier. I think he had like nine touches by the 40 minute mark, and that's nowhere near enough. And him and Elliot weren't dovetailing that well. And then when Gravenberch comes on, he's another one. And he'll go into tight spaces and he'll say, Do you know what? I know I've got a couple of lads around me, but give me the ball, watch what I'll but do. Sobers lies on his side of the pitch. Well, as well. Yeah, that, that switch helps massively, of course, it does, yeah. But the fact, like I say, Gravenberch and Sobers like at that point are then going, Yeah, give me to me. And they're both, the midfielders can do that with one of them. They can go and track one, they can't do it with both. So when grabbing versions of you've got two headaches and you're going, I don't know where to go here. So all of a sudden, both of them are getting on the ball a hell of a lot more. And it was that, you know, toward the improvements in McAllister's performance. You had three lads in the middle of the park, all of a sudden they were taking the ball on the turn, leaving their midfield for, de- for dead, and all of a sudden the pitches opened up in, up, up in front of us. Just so, it, it, so promising. He looks like he's sort of repeating a little bit of what these guys have said, but when he takes that on the ball, he reminds me of Thiago, because yes. Thiago yes. does them, you know yeah. what I mean? Just doesn't look like him. But the one that I really love is when he's got a man in front of him the kind of, and he just decides, I'm going to hit this round you and run you, lad. Mm. And that's like, that's new to me. Yeah. We we haven't had a midfielder that's done that for ages. Oxley Chamberlain did it yeah, for, that, for a small window yeah, yeah. of time. But like just someone who goes, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm faster and I'm going to get round you and the entire pitch is going to change because of doing this. Yeah. That is so brave and different to what I've seen. It goes back to the same complete midfielders in potential. You know, they're not neither Sobersly nor Gravenberch are the finished article yet, which is what's almost the most exciting thing about them is that they've only been under Jürgen Klopp's wing for a couple of months. Imagine in a year's time or two years' time. We were talking time. yesterday about the age of our midfield, weren't we? Yeah. If you think of like Harvey and Sobersly and Kurt Jones... McAllister's the oldest at what twenty four or twenty five, mm-hmm. you know, and then Bacetic and like it's ridiculous. They're basically all twenty one, twenty two. We could have this with him for ten years. Yeah, I mean, might not see the best for two or three. Yeah. The the problem is that you mentioned earlier is I now want to see Gravenberch week in week out, but I also want to see McAllister and Sobersly. So what yeah. the hell do we well, do? But this is this is the best problem to have we've yeah. just come from a world where we didn't have any midfielders. They were all injury prone. You know, we we joked two three weeks ago that Sobersly and McAllister had already played more minutes than Oxley Chamberlain and Naby did all of last season well there you go you know that's that they, these are the good problems to have and to that point you know we that was a midfield that had no didn't have Curtis Jones available to it still didn't yeah. have Thiago um, we were able to put out good lads onto the pitch what actually undid us was prob- was not having Gapo and Jota well, and, and it's not and that, going back to that super chat it wasn't just the, the injuries it was a stupid fucking red card that shouldn't have been given yeah yeah, absolutely we win that game with those with just one of them well maybe not from a Liverpool point of view yes from a Liverpool point of view in terms of what that can do in terms of changing the dynamic and the fresh ideas and the fresh legs of course because it did look like the front line in particular ran out a little bit of that towards the end but I've mentioned it a few times now Brighton look over the, the touchline and go how is Jota Stoke Gakpo coming on now just yeah. another problem to have another yeah. headache a different type of player as well because Diaz has a chance around a 70 minute mark and Luis Diaz is, is brilliant is that the left footed one or was that yeah like, and he's yeah. brilliant I really like him obviously and he's very good but you just think if that falls to Jota being that guy different yeah. story yeah definitely um, just slightly linking into it we had another super chat from uh, Edward Joseph 1808 with a thousand squiggles which given that it's come through as red I can only imagine is loads so thank you so much um, the scrutiny of Carl 
cards we received against Spurs is having more of an impact on uh, refereeing than the shambled VAR incidents. Better or worse, only time will tell up the Reds. Yeah, I, I hate it when Liverpool have to be at like the forefront of all these kind of things. I'm, I'm kind of proud in, in a weird way that we are the ones who stand up. But um, you never know whether it positively impacts us down the line or whether it leads to the referees being bigger. And I honestly think this is why Jürgen Klopp's been so nice. You know, it's even like he goes over yeah. to the Zerbi and tries to calm the Zerbi down when he's kicking off with the fourth official. I think someone's had a way with Jürgen and gone. You're Don't gonna, you're gonna have to be better. These lads, I know, I know it's all, it's hard because they're morons and they're making your life more difficult. But it's not you. What you're doing is not 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 working. So uh, try and be like an advocate for referees for the change and see if that actually works well, in our well, favour. I think Edward's spot on there because you think about all the talk in the week and how many times I've turned on the telly and Sky Sports News or whatever or YouTube or whatever and all I've heard is someone saying like you know red card should be a last resort you want to keep the professionals are all saying you want to keep the 11 players let them sort out all of a sudden lads should have got sent off against us at the weekends and doesn't get a sense off mm. because the referees have been listening to that all week how everybody in the world wants to keep the players on the pitch yeah, yeah. yeah. But honestly the rules are fucking irrelevant and it just it? swings back and forth like that forever. the rules are like they're fallback in it because ultimately we, 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 we want referees to actually have a bit of humanity to them but when they do we go well why, when you're enforcing the rules and when they've just enforced the rules of the humanity we go why have you enforced those not, uh, they can't they ultimately they can't win but you know at least uh, just, be it, yeah, just, just be better then just be better and if it can benefit Liverpool for a change that'll be absolutely that'll be absolutely lovely um thank you for the gifted subscription yeah, yeah absolutely thank you so much for that as well mate um i just want to talk about the general the general gist on this one because obviously 2-2 two, is not a result that we were all looking for Dan. i think we were all looking for a bit more positivity you yeah. know so, you know you you go ahead of course it's disappointing when you can see the the when you can see the last goal in a draw the draw always feels a worse point than the other way around but I was looking at just as, as a headline thing in terms of the statistics um, from this time around. So ultimately, we have 54% possession in this one. We have the same amount of shots, but one more shot on target for, for today. We play more passes and our pass accuracy is fractionally better, which yeah. is kind of irrelevant. The game in the league there last season, the 3-0, um, we have 39% possession. They have 16 shots to our six, nine to our two on target. They played like 230 more passes than us in the game. Our pass accuracy is where... This is where it's relevant, I think. That yes, a draw isn't the thing that propels Liverpool to, to you know to top of the league and really definite, definitively in a title race. But actually, I think you can only really benchmark against last season because we were fucking rubbish last season and I don't think it's fair to benchmark this team against the team that went the, the season before or the seasons before that um, so in that regard actually going to Brighton and not being trounced um, and knowing that we actually could have won it as much, even though we obviously we could have lost it I think is a, is a, is a market improvement that's yeah a you know, it's a market improvement without a shadow of a doubt yeah it's definitely a step in the right direction and as you say kind of a nod towards the new Liverpool, Liverpool 2.0, if you like, the one Jurgen Klopp has spoken very fondly of. Um, and I, I read a stat last night, actually. I think that we're the first team to go there under De Zerbi and have more possession and a higher XG, yes. which is fascinating. Yes, I <laughs> didn't feel like that in sort of the weight of the game, but that's good. And that's in 50 games. That was yeah, 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 yeah. That's game, good. That's really, obviously really positive. I fell into the trap quite a lot. And what you just touched upon there in terms of like... 
sort of comparing it in my own mind to the, the really successful sides we've had under Jurgen Klopp and the ones that were able to win ugly and sort of get through because at times yesterday that was ugly and we were sort of flying by the seat of our pants a little bit and they were in the ascendancy but Liverpool sides of previous ilks not the one last year have been able to get through that but you're right essentially all you can do is compare it to what it was last year and it was miles better like the the, the midfield actually could run we could put passes together we could put we could put passages of football together that represented and look like what we'd come to expect from Liverpool so it was it was good and it was a decent point and I hope my I think my sort of disappointment with the result comes in the fact that we're obviously going into the last 10 minutes or so ahead and we don't win the game yeah. that's frustrating but I've also coupled it in with my frustrations from the Spurs game yeah, and it, it, it's combined to make this whole shit pie of my mood <laughs> essentially that, that's where and it's yeah. disappointing and I'm sure in the fullness of time we'll look back and go that was a bit silly of me wasn't it because that's a good point and Spurs was what it was but right now I'm a bit like that's annoying I exactly think, I think the 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 way in which we concede the second goal, the defending is absolutely awful, by the way, from that set piece, which doesn't help at all. Um, especially when you have to watch it over and over and over again on a, on a screen. Um, but it most defo is the, the, the spears and, and the way you feel like you've been robbed. And actually, with those three points, we could be top of the table. Yeah. It is also... I mean, Arsenal did us a massive favour in my eyes because I'd rather be chasing Arsenal down than Manchester City, that is for sure. But... Um, and look, Arsenal could run away with the league, who knows? But the thing is, is when Sutton, when a massive decision like that goes against you and you've lost the league by a point twice already in the past and you know that even though Manchester City don't seem like that same Manchester City, they've still got Erlen Hall and then when Rodri comes back and they've still got De Bruyne to come back and they're still flying without those players, really. Well, Arsenal were top for how much of last season. Exactly. And we were talking about, oh, God. If they win it when City are having a bad season, then City put eight, 89 points on the board yeah. and won the treble. It's not the start of the season where City won the league it's last the season. Last. And, and that's the thing. The, the problem is, is those seasons you felt like a draw had lost you the league. And because you know what you're up against, it feels like a draw can lose you the league. When in actual fact, we're three points off the top and we've played the likes of Newcastle, yeah. Brighton. You mm-hmm. know, we've played some really Tottenham, tough sides. Spurs, Chelsea. Five really tough away games for us so yeah. far, isn't there? But it depends where your expectations are. Like, mm-hmm. I, I hope and think that Liverpool can challenge this season. I do not expect Liverpool to win the league this season. Jürgen Klopp said it himself. This is year one of this new team. When you've got a new team, there are going to be inconsistencies. There are going to be bumps along the road that you have to overcome. It would be great if those bumps along the road, like has happened the last two weeks, doesn't mean we fall six to 12 points behind. You know, it does seem like everybody else is having the bumps in the road and that may play into our favour later down the line. But I think if you asked any Liverpool fan, honestly, before the season started, are we going to win the league? Do you expect us to win the league? They're not going to be many You've of them. You've just got to look, and this is my point, look for improvement right now. Mm. Everything else will come. I had, a, I had a question in the Fan Interactive last night after the match, and it was, what's a good season? If we don't win the league, do we have to win one of the, the Europa League? And I was like, it's it's October. Just just enjoy the football, and we'll see what what comes of it. I've got a sneaky suspicion we're good, but you know that that needs to be borne out by what by what follows and what everyone else does as well, which we're going to discuss more of uh, on the Bias Football Podcast this week. Uh, short break when we return, we're going to be taking stock of the season so far um, and see if we can put answers to some questions that we had when the season kicked off back in a sec. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat 
rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, yes, welcome back to the Red Men Originals podcast. Uh, we've obviously covered Brighton already, so we're going to move things on. So just where we're at, we know it's the international break. Uh, it's a couple of weeks away from Liverpool playing footy, which I am... Um, I'm disgusted about. I'm really, I'm really, I'm really so enjoying boring. it. I really kind of wanted that feeling of positives, just that one more win. The dopamine hit would have been great, um, but I think it's a decent time for us to to take stock before we have another spell and then have yet another international break in November and probably do exactly mm. the same thing. Um, Chris, ultimately, so far so good. Really, I guess you know Chloe and Dan are right. It's hard not to feel a little bit of a kick in the teeth because we've just come off the back of the Spurs game and the uh, and the, the Brighton game, which we've taken a, a point from from two of those. I don't think any one of us is necessarily pointing at the Union San Gilwars as this great, <laughs> you know, turning point. And even though we got three points in that one, um, but it looks all we all we seem pretty nicely staged. So yeah, um, it feels like taking the USG game out of it, it feels like we've kind of limped into the international break and I don't think that's really a fair reflection of what happened mm-hmm. you know the Tottenham game is just an absolute one off um, the Brighton game I think everyone's got a few misgivings about but ultimately when you compare it to last season as you did before then you know it is a marked improvement so um, I'm really still excited for the rest of the season I'm really hopeful that we're going to get better and we're going to improve because you know <sighs> I'm watching Liverpool a long time, as everybody here has, of course. But like when you just throw in a brand new midfield into a team, it ta- it does take time. And unfortunately, that's the one thing that we seem to be getting less and less of as we continue to watch football through the years. They're just the twenty four seven news cycle, the YouTube shows, the podcasts, and everything else just means to, everything just needs to be immediate, yes. and it needs to have happened yesterday. And there's no time for sitting and watching something grow and enjoying the ride. And yeah, that's all part and parcel of being a football fan, isn't it? Like Jurgen Klopp is one of the best managers that Liverpool have ever had. 
but like it didn't happen overnight it took time to get there we saw different iterations even of Jürgen's side before we got to Premier League winners or before we got to European Cup winners and Premier League winners you know we saw this swashbuckling Liverpool side and had to change it so this is Liverpool 2.0 under Jürgen Klopp but it's probably not going to be the finished 2.0 you know there's going to be well there's going to be a 2.1 or a (laughs) 2.2 before we get to the finished version Yeah, and this is you know talking about how it's working and what the what might change over the next few months there the stuff that's the stuff that tactically and interests me it's why i've still like football now because if i was watching the same game over and over forever if i was a pep guardiola fan i'd get bored <laughs> yeah. i just want i like to see things change and move on yeah no I, yeah no i think i think that's really really interesting because the big conversation we've had all summer is what are Liverpool going to do do we our understanding of this liverpool has had to be refreshed and i'm I totally agree. I'm really enjoying that. I'm enjoying not having the answers or having new, you know, and, and different levels of expectation comes. It's been it's been quite a relief. I don't know about anyone else, but I said I mentioned about the Europa League. Is that you? You're good enough. We're good enough to win every game in that. Um, but that means we don't necessarily need to go sort of flat out, and and it's also not on a knife edge because ultimately it'll be annoying if we were to lose a game. But we are. We will just go and win the others. If Liverpool ever want to win a Europa League game, they'll put the strongest team out and they'll fucking walk it. But we they won't. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the point is that we've we've rotated massively already, and it's all ticking along. So I'm enjoying the the, the ride of it all. Um, I want to know from you guys though, and anyone watching at home wants to dive in on this one as well. What have we learned about this team that maybe we didn't know in June? Um, whether that could be could be like tactically it's not great for be... podcast listeners right but big art big yeah. art mentality mentality's back yeah. that's the big thing for me actually to be honest with you because that was the thing that I was most tactically you know miles off it last season obviously legs fell off a lot of players already mentioned but it felt to me and I said it countless times on podcast last year that in the face of adversity we just crumbled Time and time again last season. Went 1-0 down in games, you know, whatever it may be. Things weren't going our way and we had no answer. To all too often, maybe once or twice people will point to certain games, of course yeah. they will, I say, what about that? But genuinely speaking, what had sort of stood us in such good stead and set us apart from the rest of the Football League was the fact that it didn't matter the circumstances, it didn't matter how deep we went into games, we would find a way, and that evaporated last season. But already this season, even though it was a small sample size, and yes, we're technically better, we've got better energy in the midfield, etc., etc. The, the, the attacking line, the attacking options are just scandalously good, like the best in Europe, in my opinion. So that's great, that firepower is brilliant. But more importantly than anything for me is in the face of adversity, and we've seen it a lot of this season, we've gone 1-0 down, I think it's five times now, and we're constantly at a numerical disadvantage, it feels like. <laughs> but it, it hasn't mattered. Yeah, granted, you know, we don't end up getting the result we probably deserve in the Tottenham game especially, but we're showing heart, we're showing fight, we're showing character, and we've got leaders now, having lost two of our most famous leaders in the way in the summer, we've got leaders in the squad now that will stand up to be counted and take it personally when shit's going wrong. Yeah. And I said it about Savoslai in the game earlier on this season, Season. and we went down to 10 and he was everywhere man possessed yeah. and it was like I've said again apologies for repeating myself he took offence to the fact that Liverpool might not win a game and he went yeah. no, not what I'm here mate it's not happening and I loved that so that's the biggest plus for me and yeah the good football and the, the, the quality will shine through and that's great but more than anything like I say is the fact that we've now got the heart back that desire and that mentality because that's what that's what underpins Jürgen Klopp's football in my opinion yeah no I, I think it, it, to take that further Chloe obviously that mentions the amount of times we've gone down a man up 
two men. Um, if it was the Liverpool from last season, I think they'd have gone, oh, well, typical. We're cursed or it's a hoodoo against us all. It's just not a, themselves. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the best thing about Jürgen Klopp's teams previously, they've been narrative busters. They, I've watched... You know, we've had another another decade plus of watching Liverpool sides than than you, than you have. But of Liverpool doing that thing where they go, oh god, it's just not our day, is it? Oh well, never mind. And that's not typified Jürgen's approach, and that's been the best thing for me anyway about seeing these new lads. Is that that again? I'm just expanding on what Dan said, but they've they don't feel sorry for themselves. They're prepared to say, nah, fuck it, actually, we love a bit of adversity. We'll work even harder, isn't it? Yeah, they, they leave everything on the pitch, which is a, a, something I couldn't say last season, or at least it did not feel like. Um, it feels like they've bought absolutely into what Jürgen Klopp wants of them. They've gelled so quickly already. I mean, Trent and Sobe being best mates already is a bit mad. Um, I, I love the fact that I'm looking at these players and I can't name you starting 11 because I want to see Curtis Jones, but then I want to see Gravenberch, but I want to see McAllister. But I actually, I'm, I might want to see Darwin Nunes, but I also might want to see Jota. Like, there are so many places where I'm like, if you if you just swapped a couple of them in the lineup, I'd be sound. And you could do it over and over again with different variations. And every single time I think to myself, we can go on and win this game no matter who we're up against. Uh, I love the fact that the mentality is back. Um, I love the fact that at the start of the season, I didn't expect us to be in a title challenge or anything. I just expected a group of lads uh, to really understand the system and start getting to know each other and, you know, challenge for top four is where I expected Liverpool to be. And at this moment in time, we're three points off top and the top is Spurs. It's not Manchester United, uh, Manchester City, not Manchester United. definitely United. not United. It's definitely not United. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be for a long time either. Um, but it's not Manchester City and it makes it even more interesting because I also look around the league and I'm like, well, they can actually take points off Manchester City this season. And it's felt like no one could take points unless you were Palace or Wolves off Manchester yeah. City in recent years. But I go around the league and I'm like, maybe them and maybe them and maybe them. Um, and I think we've started stronger than, than I thought we would. And I can buy into every single part of this team. That is the big difference. There is not a single player who... I don't love. I absolutely love everyone in this squad. Um, I love them. I, I love the fact that the potential is outrageous for the squad. And also, it's a case of the likes of the players who were unreal feel like they've. Alison Becker feels like he's even gotten better than a how. Mo Salah, who we all thought might be the assister, might have a different version of himself, is still Mo, Mo Salah. Darwin Nunes has gotten better, which we all want to see and we all believed he could, but. I like what he's producing. I'm seeing Diaz again. I'm seeing a midfield that looks like they can create for days and score goals. It is just very exciting. Um, and I'm a bit sad that I don't get to see the Reds play because last season, every international break, I was like, thank God. <laughs> yeah, blessing, I was like, yeah. wow. Um, but this season, I, I just I can't get enough of the Reds and that's, that's the main point. Yeah, just to echo, well, I, I echo everything that everybody's already said, but I also would like to add on that, like, it looks like Jürgen loves these lads and he looks mm. reinvigorated by them, and that's really good for us as fans as well. Absolutely. Um, let's go sort of through the positions then. Frontline, Chris, are we any clearer as to what our best front three is? <sighs> no, I don't think I am, to be honest. Um, 
I think, you know, we've used the term horses for courses a lot this season and I still think it's going to be a little bit like that. I think if if I had to sort of pick, I, I'd say Nunes is your home striker at the moment, mm-hmm. but he's got a chance of being more than that. Um, if Nunes starts to put down goals, Nunes will be the number nine. Um, I don't... F- I- don't really feel like that's the case with Gakpo, which is a bit weird. Um, doesn't really like it's not really doesn't really make any sense that. But I, I, you know, I, I think Jota and, and and Cody are there as yeah, they're doing a job at the moment, and they're going to be the ones where we go into tough games, and you might want a little bit more. That's why I think it was really difficult for us at the weekend against Brighton because Nunes wouldn't have started that game in my opinion had one of those two been available for it. Um, Diaz is is starting to put numbers down as Chloe mentioned before and looking like an absolute player Mo's, Mo's Mo and will be Mo until he decides not to be Mo at Liverpool anymore um, so yeah it's just a great front five or something at the moment isn't it the only issue I have is I think there's not a full gel across any three I don't think there's a perfect three for us yet I think Nunes and Salah are a great partnership and as evidenced by the fact that Nunes has broken a record, hasn't he, for the most assists mm. for a single for a single player? Um, the Jota and Gakpo, I think, work best together because because of the nature of, of those two, how, how Jota plays that role. I think Jota likes to get close to someone and, and kind of do bits and pieces off them. Um, Nunes, I think, follows Salah around almost and tries to work and tries to work with Salah. It has to be mate. Well, yeah, but you know, but it's but I'm enjoying both of those sorts of partnerships. I don't think we've seen enough of the Gakpo Jot one because I don't think Gakpo's form has been great and how he's been used at the start of the season. Diaz is such an odd one because he scored in big moments for us, he should have. He should have four goals to his name. You know, we know that <laughs> now. Now, um, and that make this an even trickier conversation to have. I think when Nunes plays, Nunes and Salah play. I think Diaz ends up really isolated, and I think Jota ends up isolated in the way with when those two play together. So, I'm not a hundred percent the answer. Diaz, I think, starts because he's just got pace and he can hold his own on his own a bit I think Jota needs a lot more other things around him to make that work a little bit more but I mean these again these are good problems to have I'm just looking at the numbers so far so Salah in 10 appearances has got 6 goals and 4 assists so yeah a goal or an assist every game for Mo Salah on average should be on 11 it should be more he should literally have a goal or an assist in every game that he's played in this yeah. season yeah. Um, and he would have had 2 penalties he'd spread them out a bit <laughs> <laughs> um, Darwin Nunes has got uh, 4 goals and 3 assists in his 10 appearances so far I mean and, and that's what's Is really that good as well not just this, that's match. just started that's just nice. appearances yeah so actually in terms of his overall minutes he's played like 300 minutes nearly less than Salah um, and got seven uh, you know seven goals and assists combined Jota's has got four goals no assist Diaz has got three slash four goals <laughs> no assist Gakpo's got three goals no assists so far um, Gavin Birch is up there the other one who's got three combined a, a goal and two assists that should be two goals yeah. and two <laughs> assists so uh, anyway in terms, of, in terms of the strikers it feels like they're all Salah's Salah the rest I think given Gavin Birch is one's a bit ash <laughs> but you know, but they're all they're all ticking along really nicely. Is the is the point on this? We're managing to just about balance it. But no, I don't think there's a front three that's emerging. Listen, 
that might not happen and that might not actually be a bad thing. No, it's like you said, it's a headache that Jurgen Klopp will actually enjoy. Um, and like you mentioned, you know, for, for Brighton, not having Jota or Gakpo on the bench was actually massively infuriating because with 20 to go, if, like you said, Nunes coming on, <laughs> we'd be sat there thinking, good luck, Brighton. Um, <laughs> but sadly, he faded out of the game, you know, and also he, he wasn't fit was he the, the other day mm. so we might have actually pushed him a bit too far in that game um, but the the thing for me I'm just in love with Darwin Nunes at this moment in time I just think his all round play has gotten so much better his hold up play is ridiculous like I, the reason I'd always stick with Cody Gakpo was because he's your safe, safest option if he was like the Bobby for me in a regeneration but the way he protect the ball, he'd go short and he'd win the ball. Now, with Darwin Nunes, Darwin Nunes will just shrug someone off and protect that ball and set it away and go on his bike. Um, I, I absolutely adore seeing him at the moment in time. I think he's always... Um, He's more refined, but still chaotic, and that's what I like. Um, he scores some absolutely unbelievable goals, but misses some absolute unbelievable sitters it's mad you don't know what you're going to get but he's absolute entertainment and like you mentioned him and Salah's link up's brilliant um, as for that left hand side I think Diaz has done well I don't think he's made it his own but at the same time him and Jota are just two very very different players on that left wing um, and I think maybe Diaz fits it slightly more Um but like you mentioned, yeah, I don't think there's an out and out like three at the top. You could rotate them every single game, and that's probably what Jurgen will do. Um, but I would like to see more of Darwin Nunes and Mo Salah starting together because I do think you can't pay eighty million on a lad and then him not be a number one striker for Liverpool. And I think he will become good. I think he's already a really good player. But I think with him just getting more and more confidence, that is what is going to unlock Darwin Nunes from Benfica, is giving him more confidence in racking up the goals um, and in believing himself a bit more. Just adding on to what Chloe was saying there, I think it's important to, to recognise as well that he's not been fucked around on the left this time. Mm. Yeah. Like that's having, I think that's having an impact on his game yeah. for the better. You know, he's not having to go there and do something different. He's able to train week in, week out on what he's got to do to get better as a number nine at Liverpool Football Club. So I think, you know, we can look back at last season and go, he, he did a job there at times and stuff like that. But I think it did hinder his development as a number nine for us. Yeah, no, I completely agree on that one. I, um, yeah, I I think it's all it's all just good I mean these are these are this is not a bunch of crap footballers you know when one of them might come in and score a goal and I know I seem to I seem to end up I've ended up slagging Divock Origi a lot almost accidentally of late but Origi was a lad who could score a goal but he needed to be played in a very similar certain way and then he got pushed out to the out wide and you knew that's like the beginning of the end that's where you know we're just getting him on the pitch as an extra body Minamino was not a fit he was just an extra body to kind of make up the numbers the end the tail end of Daniel Sturridge was a bit similar as well there's just a bunch of lads who all fit and they all bring something a little bit different but what they're all actually bringing is goals mm. um, and that's where we can clamour for Doak all we want but Doak isn't there just yet which is great the 16 year old lad is not required we're not we're not we're not going 16 year old boy go and win in vital games of football for us no continued development continue to be um, a really promising youngster and hopefully continue to take those steps further forward so yeah uh, very encouraging but it, it will be interesting to see whether there does come a point where we're like this is the new front three or is it just yeah this this 
attacking squad we've got instead. Um, the midfield, so in part one, we did a lot on the Endo McAllister sort of conundrum, so I don't want to tread too much over that again, but... I don't I think I've got it in me again. No, I, I, I do. I do feel though. I, I I went and checked the the final of the Copa Libertadores. Dan is on the fourth of November. Feel about this yesterday, me and Chris. Did you? Yeah, yeah. And I I have a, this little sneaking suspicion that that's just what we're waiting for before Andre gets announced because Endo could be decent for us, and look, we might have loads of boss eights, but. Just have more, you know. Like Thiago's not going to be a Liverpool player for much longer, by the looks of it. You know, he's got another injury setback there. I think there's a world where you you go and get someone like Andre, and you look to move Thiago on, or you release Thiago. He's only got half a season left on his contract. You won't really want to do that, and I would love to have Thiago available as a squad member for us. But he, we don't need a Thiago now. We need someone who can naturally play in in the six, so that that gives us someone a bit more like Thiago i.e. Alexis McAllister to go be free and play the job he wants to do yeah 100% and it does feel a little bit like we are waiting for that final like you say to, to move again on Andre I certainly hope that's the case because I think in terms of squads I think that's all we're missing now I take your point entirely early on on Endo he is the backup the stopgap he's a stopgap backup if there ever was such a thing because he's just around for certain games it looks like anyway like I wasn't entirely sure when we first signed him it felt like maybe we would call upon him for these big away days but it's looking increasingly likely that's not going to be the case we're all going to stick with McAllister which is fine you know it, it is what it is but that can't be the long-term solution. We have to go out and, and solve the problem, which we didn't do in the summer, because here where we are now. Um, and I think Andre is the answer to that, I really do. I think the type of DM he is is really fascinating as well, because he's not, to come back to it, he's not a destroyer. He's got so much more to his game. He's quite Thiago-esque, actually, in the way he plays the role, but his positioning. He is tough in the tackle as well. He'll give you all that sort of stuff. He's almost like what we'd probably all love McAllister to be right now yeah. because he's got all the finesse, he's got all the class with the ball at his feet and he can make things happen. But he's also got that little bit of gnarl about him, that little bit like, that's my ball, don't you dare have any, you can't have that ball, that's mine. Andre brings all that to the party. So it's almost like if we do do it in January, we'll be saying to McAllister, thanks for doing this for us a bit. Now you're now part of that eight rotation and mm-hmm. don't get me wrong that competition for places is seriously tough so go and win your shirt in there mate best of luck great but with Andre it's almost like a nice precursor the way McAllister's doing it because the style and what we're doing in terms of system won't change too much mm-hmm. we'll just get a better version of that in there in my opinion yeah no I think it, it's interesting that's, that's not to say it's going to happen but I was just thinking about it the other day like I wonder why we've not seen more movement on that and yet the final of the, the Copa Libertadores which he'll be a big part of uh, for Fluminense doesn't take place for another the interesting thing for me me and Dan were talking about this the other day Fluminense do this like relationism tactics have you seen anything about it it's it's quite it's massive at the moment and I'm sure Pep Landers is all over this type of stuff and in, it, it's more it's less about the formation and it's more about where you are in relation to everybody else on the pitch and it's about finding space and all this type of stuff and it's almost like total football basically just reinvented for the modern age using algorithms and shit like that to be able to work out where they are so I'm I'm actually planning a deep dive at some point with Josh on on this whole thing and Andre's almost the best test case for it because like what does he do in that midfield and where does he move and all this type of stuff if, if we were to do that but I think everybody's sort of moving towards these types of football tactics anyway which is quite interesting so 
And I, we've seen this relationism in terms of our old front three for it, you know, for ages. You know how they dovetail with each other, and you just use a different word to describe it at times. But we've seen more of Kurt Jones and Sober Sly swapping places in certain situations this season than I think we've ever seen. And you know, we use parts of it where Trent is and when he moves into the centre back line and all this type of stuff. So the Andre stuff feels like if Liverpool are moving that way, which I feel I've seen part of that tactics in Liverpool's formation, then getting a lad who literally plays at the club that are at the cutting edge of this might be a really good decision. And that's not even considering how good a footballer he is. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. I am. Um, it's, yeah, we, 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 it's like that thing if we haven't seen the full plan yet because the plan was undercut by, the Saudi Pro League coming in and taking our two defensive midfielders for what they taking Liverpool chose to sell the two defensive midfielders um, so yeah oh, it was sped up yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah speed the, speed the process up um, yeah, we, we, didn't know. we just don't know because I was thinking this when we were talking about Sobber's lie and I said this at the end of last season I felt that Jordan Henderson was doing a place card performance like he's been told here's roughly the shape of what this role looks like you're there can you just go and try your best to do a bit a bit of this? And he's going, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, well, well when we see what we've bought for that, we'll see what it's meant to look like. And then you see Sobber's line, you go, fuck me, okay, sound. And we actually don't know really what our six is meant to look like until we get someone who's been expressly bought with that role in mind. And whether it's Andrew or not, I don't know, but it's um, there's certainly an interesting thing. I just want to touch upon a comment, actually, because I've seen a few people mention this. Um, and people have talked about, I've seen people reference... Chloe Klopp's favouritism and that somehow he's got a favouritism for McAllister over Endo and that's why Endo's not playing not, you're shaking your head he wouldn't have brought him here if no one had Endo on their list by the way guys <laughs> I'd never heard of the lad in my life uh, he was not on anyone's list but Jürgen Klopp had wanted him years ago which already proves that he liked him but then to also go total, totally against the gradient of what Liverpool have done we just mentioned Andre there is he not 20 this lad is 30 years of age and Liverpool have gone and pulled him and said look we, we need someone to fill that gap and we want you. He seems like a Jürgen Klopp player. He seems humble, down to earth, hard working, all of the above. Go and look at the way Jürgen Klopp brought him in. And he was like, you know, I wanted you back then. I've got, you know, he speaks highly of him. It's. I don't think it's that at all. I do just think he believes McAllister is the better player, which he is. I think it's really simple. I think he does have favourites. I think he favours Alison Becker over Cleveland Kelleher. Oh, I no. don't think there's any yeah. problem with that when you're a football manager. Yeah. Your favourites are generally the guys that are better. But I think the, <laughs> the ones yes. the best line. But this is the point, yeah. I think I think favouritism in this instance is being used as like somehow he's choosing to play a worse yes. player. And I don't think that's no. the case. I think I think he he, he prioritises lads who are humble hard-working determined but also happen to be really good at football on top of that and if you've got if you haven't got the good at football he'll preference the guys who are hard-working over guys who are really good at football but not hard-working but actually Liverpool are in a weird position where most of our lads are both yeah. so yeah. it comes down to fine margins um, you work that hard and training all through the week but you're technically more proficient He'll also, like you mentioned earlier, or, or you, that, at that time we signed Endo, 
we didn't think we were getting Ryan Gravenberch. Mm. Everyone said, just keep an eye out on it on, it, on, on transfer deadlines. I bought it looks like Bayern Munich don't really want to let him go. And then all of a sudden we get the opportunity to bring the lad in who he wanted from Ajax years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets his chance to bring him in and you're seeing why. I will not have any Ryan Gravenberch slander. I absolutely love that lad. Um, and I think at that point you probably were looking at a midfield three of Endo McAllister, Sobersly. And then we were like, uh-oh, wait there, we've got McAllister, who's just an all-round better player. And we've seen, in the likes of the Aston Villa game, it, he's right to have that that place in those games. Um, Endo struggled slightly in, in the likes of Newcastle, and he needs to get up to speed. Fabinho came in and didn't slot straight into Liverpool. Liverpool's best thing, yeah. DM that I've ever seen. Oh, we did have Javier Mascherano, but shh, it's yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Fabinho, that, that put you on a pedestal there, lad. Um he didn't come in straight away and just take the shirt. He also he wasn't 31 when he came in as well. I think the only thing I can say categorically is that Endo isn't the long-term solution at yeah. the end. Yes. Other than that, I've no idea if it is a training thing behind the scenes, whether, I you know, when we, it, like, I talked about it the other day with somebody, I was like, look, when Lovren comes in from Southampton, he looks great at, at Southampton because he's got a centre-back that doesn't move, he's got full-backs that don't go further, we used to talk about this all the time, mm. he's got fucking Romeo sat in front, who's never more than five yards yeah. away from, when he comes to Liverpool, it's a different kettle of fish, when you're fighting relegation, season in, season out with Stuttgart in the German League, and you move to be a DM at Liverpool Football Club, there is going to be a massive period of adaptation, and maybe in a month's time, and I was the one saying I think he'll stay with McAllister. Maybe in a month's time, Endo is a better fit, but yeah. right now he's not. There's yeah. like this is again we make these hard, fast judgments on things we can't possibly understand. And it goes back to yeah, exactly. It's like it's speed of play and understanding, and McAllister just understands it now better that we've got limited options of who to, to play I'm in assuming, there because he must do because he's playing him there's no one there we don't own anyone at the football club who, who understand who both understands the role understands how it's played and has the technical proficiency to do it so it's like the best of a bad situation and again I, it, the margins I don't know how big the margins are I think that's what you're saying as well between Endo and McAllister all I know is McAllister keeps getting picked and I'm watching Endo's performances trying exactly. to work out or trying to see an obvious reason why he should be starting ahead mm. and I see people saying he had he was he was one of the best players against Leicester I thought he was fine against Leicester I don't think he was brilliant against Leicester I just thought he was fine compared to his things now if that's his new base level and the next time he plays he's better than that amazing that's what we're all looking for and hoping for and I, yeah and yeah can Leicester remember that Leicester aren't in the Premier League either. also, <laughs> also yeah. they're a first division it's team. as much as you're right on the end of stuff it's as much as getting an endo of a specialist six into that role as it is getting McAllister into his best role because I think we're doing him a disservice and we're not doing him yes. any favours by him playing the six all yeah. the time we've all we, like I said earlier he's low in confidence it's all great though if we put better eights on the pitch but then the you guy who gets past the ball from the centre halves gets pressed to death because he can't he doesn't have a pitch Picture of the of the players around him and where those need to be. You play that six on a knife edge, yeah. an absolute knife edge. Remember uh, Arsenal first game of the season, twenty sixteen. Uh, we obviously go on and win win that game, but we go a goal down because we get caught doing that with our back to play, trying to turn it round. And Lallana's just the, Moreno goes for a bit, and he, yeah, like he yeah, runs yeah, on yeah, thinking yeah, the pass is coming to him. Yeah, exactly. I think it might even be Lallana in that that space, but then. 
we clock it and we're better at it moving forward. But that's the thing. You need to, we're, we're prefacing people who can pass the ball and people who, who can deal with being under pressure and it, hopefully Endo gets it and that'll be lo- loads better. But I don't think it's a, some sort of like clock bias or whatever that's doing it. He's going to judge all the players on merit and whatever gives him the best chance to kind of succeed or beat what it is. He's Just very briefly, sorry, Chloe, we, need to, we do need him. to wrap up. Um, question marks remain on the defence. Anyone think this is something that can be sorted with what we've got? Will it be sorted by a DM or does it need personnel transfers to fix this? Ooh. Oh. I don't think we're going to fulfil the potential of our system without changes. To the back line? Yeah. Interesting. I think, the Rob- I think Robertson's been all right, that- actually. He, he, has, he has been, but he's been good. and that, But that's what I'm saying. The potential... You might just limit it by not replacing him for someone different. Yeah, you think that's still the left back thing, so we do as well. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think I don't think we. It 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 feels to me from the outside looking in like we've not gone all in on it because we know that there's a bit of a problem there, and that's why we're sort of half in, half out, and just not committing to it completely. Yeah, that's what it feels like, and I hate saying that because. Rose literally one of my favourite players that we've had in the last 20, 30 years. I love everything about him. I love what he's done for the football club. But there is also a time when you kind of have to move on. And it, that, it, I'm not saying it's now, but it's soon. It's just good. So you don't want to be saying like, like, we're trying to copy everything City do, but they play with four centre-backs in a back four. And it feels weird and football will change again. You know what I mean? So there might be another evolution in the next year or two where you do need someone who's a bit more a bit more technically proficient or smaller or quicker or whatever. But that's a good benchmark for me of what of what, what you're doing. We've already, in having Trent, we've already got a more attacking player than either Arsenal or City have in those inverted roles. Um, so it's it You're obviously more follows. defenders though because of that. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a exactly. balance there, isn't um, there? A couple of people mentioned it. Um, BW saying Quanta is the future, could be left centre-back. And uh, CC says uh, Quanta has been a, a major Brucey bonus. Yeah, totally agree on that one. I think that's been one of the, the positives to really come from Save this. So Unexpected yeah. as well. Yeah. We'll expect yeah. that emergence has really caught me off guard to be honest with you I fancied him to sort of have it at some point and break through at some point but I did not think he'd make that quantum leap from Bristol Rovers on loan for a little bit to playing in the Premier League and doing really well so yeah. credit to him Absolutely. also Matip is above Canate for me in the pecking order yeah. right now and I think he's been unbelievable but I but I, but I couldn't have told you that it'd have happened before the start, before a, a ball had kicked. Both of happens. them are boss. Yeah. Um, and on the day, I think Matip's one of the best centre-backs in, in, in the league. I think he's incredible. He's just far too injury-prone. Yeah. But I would never have thought he'd have been above Canate. Absolutely. So we're going to do some more top four title chat over on the Bias Football podcast, which follows on from this over on RedmanPlus.com. We're going to be picking up on some of the results, focusing on the Arsenal City game from last uh, yesterday evening as well. And then, yeah, looking at top for how it's all poised and discussing Liverpool's position within it uh, over on that show so do come and join us um, Chris did you set a code up in the end um, Steve did it's and done. it's in the WhatsApp and it's still break it's done. B-R-E-A-K for 50% off a captain subscription um, it runs until Sunday evening at 11.59 because we're really good people um, and we're bored without football so we know that you're going to be bored without football so that's why we've done a 50% off deal for you so get over to redmenplus.com 50% off use the code break B-R-E-A-K you can have all the Redmen goodness in your life yearly or monthly was that Tony? yearly 
Cool. Quality, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Do involve yourself with that code. The uh, Bias Football Podcast is always worth the price of admission. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much to Dan, uh, to Chloe, to Chris, to me, and to you, of course, uh, and uh, <laughs> to Paul. Joe in production as well. Really. Whatever, thanks, Paul. Uh, thanks, Paul. <laughs> thanks, me. Um, but yeah, no, come and join us for that and have a boss uh, week. Otherwise, we will return next Monday with more Red Men Originals goodness. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.